Good morning. I want to thank uh, everybody who assured me throughout uh, the week that you are praying for me. I'm very grateful. I do not take uh, this lightly. Uh, this is, I think, an important message. But if you want me to preach shorter messages, then you also have to pray that I will, I will do just that, okay? Not just preach better ones, but shorter ones. Then please uh, pray for that. Now we are going to, we are in the Victorious Living series. Uh, the topic given to me uh, originally was uh, uh, Jericho uh, tearing down strongholds. Uh, I've changed that because uh, I just felt that uh, in consultation with the pastor that what I should be preaching on uh, should be on faith. So I'm just, I'm not talking about tearing strongholds. Um, my message should be on faith. Uh, it's taken from Jericho, uh, 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 Joshua chapter uh, 5, uh, the last part of chapter 5 and the whole of chapter 6. I will be referring to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. Now, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7, actually the, the first few chapters of Joshua, there are many interesting details. And I believe, having studied this uh, in the past few weeks, a lot of lessons too. So it's very sayang not to preach everything, but you've got to give me three or four hours, and I'm sure you won't. So I'm going to tell you what I'll do. I am not going to talk about the command, the commander of the Lord's army. Very interesting. Uh, um, actually, very brief mention only of Joshua. Uh, I will not talk about the significance or the meaning of the seven priests with the seven horns and walking seven days and the meaning and significance of that, about the two spies, which I, I think they are heroes. Uh, Rahab, of course, she is a hero. That leaves us with the last one. I'm going to talk about the Israelites, all right? This is to shorten my sermon and to make it less complicated. Now, this is what Jericho is like. It's not a very large city, if you can call it a city. Actually, I think it's more like a town. And uh, we, we know, well, this is just an illustration, right? But uh, from 140 years of archaeological digging in that, this, this one of the oldest city in the world, uh, we know that it is approximately eight acres in size. What is eight acres? I checked, it's about 32,374 square meters. And what is really that? It's about four and a half football fields. Not the American football field, which is larger, the, the soccer, the British soccer field, four and a half uh, times the soccer field. Or if you are not a soccer player, it's about one acre is about uh, eight tennis courts. So it's about 128 tennis courts. So it's, you know, it's, it's not that big. And if it's not that big, the estimate, all right, this is just an estimate, the population of Jericho could be just a few thousand, maybe 3,000. Uh, it can't be, I mean, they, they, they don't have high-rise buildings, right? They just build houses, they live along the walls, and uh, about 3,000. But what is uh, formidable about this town or city is not the size, but the height of the walls. So you see the one on the right? It is double wall and is built on a moor. So it, it is it's built on the elevated, uh, uh, on the elevation. Uh, and then there is an uh, outer wall and then there is an inner wall. So that makes it really formidable. Uh, but really, from a military point of view, 
from a military standpoint, it is still conquerable. Although some commentaries say, ah, it is impossible, impossible. I, but I think it's possible. Uh, all you need is brute force. You need people. You need time. And one way is that you build a siege ram. Or you have a, a, a battering ram. Uh, uh, so this is what can happen, but it will take time. It will take a year to, to lay siege on this town before you have a chance of weakening them, you know, because they will be so hungry, uh, and then you break in. Israel has an army size of 601,703. How do I know? Because uh, there was a second census that was taken uh, when they sort of like, they were ready to go to the promised land. There was another census, and the census is, Numbers 26 tell us is 601. Now, let's say that the Jericho population is about 3,000. I estimate that they would be outnumbered by the Israelites by 300 to 1. So, you see, in terms of like brute force, time, people, patience, actually it's conquerable, but it will take a lot of time. Right. But God has other plans because God is not prepared to wait for one year. He will take down the walls and get the city conquered in a week. So God's plan is this, to march around the town once a day for six days, verse 3, march with the Ark of the Covenant, verse 4, put seven priests in front of the Ark, verse 4, on the seventh day, march around Jericho seven times, as in verse 5, have priests to blow ram's horns as they march. That's verse 5. On the seventh day, you just march seven rounds round the, the city, and then you have the people to shout. In this time, before the shouting, nobody is to talk, no sound, no shouting, nothing. Just be absolutely quiet. At the final command to shout, the walls will come down, and when the walls do come down, just enter and just take it. Now, uh, this plan by God is very, very strange because it has totally no military value. We know that. And uh, I, just, I just want you, okay, to put yourself in the shoes of Joshua and in the shoes of the Israelites. Just think for a moment what this involves. The task is in organizing 600,000 people for the march. Now, I'm talking about the, num oh no, the Singapore Sports Hub. The stadium can take 55,000 people. So 600,000 will fill 11 stadiums. So it's about right, right? Like uh, 11 tribes uh, uh, of people like that. Now, uh, I'm not talking about uh, people just... In, in single file, of course, it cannot be. So let's say they are, they are standing shoulder to shoulder, 10 people, and they are maybe like uh, 2 feet, 0 0.6 meters uh, apart. I mean, you don't walk like that all the time. So a bit of space. Uh, the line will be 50 to 60 kilometers. And if they walk at the pace of 5 kilometers per hour, you will take 10 hours. So I know it, it cannot be like that. So what, what probably happened was that they just march and then they will go back. So imagine, like, organizing uh, all the Christians in Singapore 
and you go to Marina Bay. And we are going to march one round the Marina Bay and uh, then you fall out. Those who start first will fall out first and it will still take a lot of time. It's 600,000 people, enough to fill 11 national stadiums. Now, what is amazing, the other thing that's amazing is this. I don't think that Joshua revealed the whole plan to the people. Because when I read this verse again and again, I think that Joshua revealed his plan, or God's plan to him, to them on a daily basis. Daily instructions. Joshua 6, 6 and 7. So Joshua called together the priests and said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign, and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he spoke to the people. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the Ark of the Lord. That was all. Let's do it. And it started. So, you know, I, I want you to, I, I, want, I don't want you to overlook this fact, okay? Do not overlook the fact that every day, basically, nothing happened. Nothing happened the foundation didn't shake. The foundation of the town didn't shake. The walls were not weakened. The people of Jericho were not more vulnerable. Now, we like to go with plans that make sense. We naturally will lean on uh, towards reality, uh, facts, logic, reason, common sense. We like things to be well thought through. We like things to be well explained. And what is really amazing about this story is not that the, the, the walls came down. What is really amazing about the story is that 601,700 over people just did it. They just went along with the plan they carried out the plan, not for a day, for seven days straight, and just and 13 rounds. I mean, even one round could take an hour. Can you imagine on the seventh day, they would have taken a lot of time. You know, I know that from, from Huapa Villa to church, I would take a bus, and some of you too, right? Within Orchard Road, you would take a cab. Now, we are not even willing to walk half a kilometer. <laughs> so this, is, this requires effort and, of course, obedience. So I want to now make a point why we need to talk about the people of, of Israel. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 to uh, Hebrews 12 to is a recital of uh, of the epic of faith starting from Adam to Jesus and the, the word faith is mentioned 26 times in connection with 19 persons specifically and groups of people and unnamed people. Now, if you... Uh, I'm not saying that those who didn't make it to the list uh, don't have faith, but uh, the writer of Hebrew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
mention these people or groups of people because it is worth mentioning. They have to be brought up and recorded because there is a point to be made. And hey, look at this. Hebrews 11.30, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. No mention of Joshua in Hebrews 11. I'm not saying that he was, uh, you know, his faith was any, any less. But I think Joshua was just grouped together with the people of Israel. But the fact is that it got into Hebrews chapter 11. It was worth mentioning. And therefore, I really believe that the Lord, at the time when this was happening, the Lord was just so pleased with everybody in unity doing it without complaining, questioning. We are for it. Let's do it. That kind of attitude. And God was really pleased. And, you know, I believe uh, that the Israelites really believe that God that the land was already theirs, and that maybe the report of the two, uh, two spies who came back, and the spies reported to Joshua that indeed uh, the, uh, the, the, the Lord has given us the land. And this report probably spread through the whole community. Everybody was so excited. We are finally here. We are going to get it. We are going to get things going. Let's get started and there was really an excitement. There was a stirring of faith. I believe that was what happened. And so these verses that God gave to Joshua, and Joshua probably uh, spoke to the people about it, uh, it really got them excited. Joshua 1.3 Every place that your soul of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised Moses. Joshua 2.24 And the people said to Joshua, oh no, so the spies said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, the, in the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before us. Joshua 6 2, the Lord said to Joshua again, the commander of the, the, the Lord's host, See, I have handed Jericho over to you along with the inheritance. So, they really had faith. The 600,000 troops who did what was told, they really had faith. I want to move on. Huh? Let me tell you what changed. 40 years earlier and 40 years later. Now, what happened is, there were two censuses. <laughs> The census taken in uh, the early part of Numbers and the one that was taken in Numbers 26. You will see that in the days of Moses, the number of fighting men was 603,550. 40 years later, actually it dropped to 601,730. Actually, I think that God just, just got to make a point. Just, God just wanted to make a point that, that 40 years ago, with more people, you could have done it. Because even with fewer people, you see, your descendants, descendants did it. And so, yeah, this is just this is God's way. And 40 years ago, the people of Israel's expectations 
were based on their common sense, their senses, and they were limited by reality. I mean, I mean the assessment was not incorrect. All right, the, uh, uh, the, the people were strong and they were, they were giants and they were fortified uh, wars and cities. And uh, it, it is just correct, but they were limited by realities. And so they, they really believed that victory had to be achieved. But 40 years later, in the days under the leadership of Joshua, this generation of people were believed that they were already walking on conquered land. They believed that they were going to take conquered land and that victory is something to be received, not to be achieved. You see how the attitude changed for these two generations of people in the span of 40 years? And that's why God could see, I mean, God can see our hearts and God said that. Let's make mention of this in Hebrews 11 because in Joshua 6, they did it by faith. Now, let's explore a little bit more about faith. You know, I think that the identifying mark of a believer is faith. How many times did God say that the just will live by faith? Four times. And if God has to put it down in the Bible four times, do you think that we need to pay a bit of attention and take it a bit seriously? Of course. The just will live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38. In fact, faith is the only thing that matters. Romans 14.23 says this, that whatever is not done in faith counts for nothing. That, that's how how important faith is. And Hebrews 11.6, to make it absolutely clear so that we, we, will not, we will not miss this, Hebrews 11 says that it is impossible. Not that it's difficult to please God. It is impossible to please God if you do not have faith because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists and He, he rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I'm going to expand on this verse a little bit later, but it is impossible to please God. Now I'll tell you, let me just uh, expand on this. Uh, why, why is it so important that we have faith? Because we live in two worlds and these two worlds exist side by side and they run on parallel tracks. In the, there's a visible world and there's an invisible world. There is, we are residents of, of the world of earth and we are also citizens of heaven at the same time. We, there are seen realities and at the same time, there are also unseen realities. Both exist together. And uh, the, imp the reason why faith is important is because faith enables us to access into the world on the right-hand side, the invisible world. In fact, that world is more real than the visible world. So uh, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this. Uh, Paul wrote, you've got to seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things of, above, the, the invisible side, because not on the things on, on earth. So you see, the invisible and the 
and the visible world exist together, but the invisible world is more important, it's more real than 2 Corinthians 4.18 because we look not at what can be seen, but on what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary. What cannot be seen is temporal. Right? So let me, let me show you what... I'm just expanding. You should try to follow me. Yeah? This is the unseen world. These are spiritual realities that are more real than the, the seen realities. If you have faith, you have access to all these things. These are already realities. These are already ours. And I'll just give you six examples. Ephesians 1.3 We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1.3 says Ephesians 2.6 says that we are, we are seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. Galatians 1.4 says that we are, we are delivered, not will be delivered, we are delivered from this present age. Colossians 1.13, we are delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Hebrews 6.5, we have tasted the power of the age to come. 2 Timothy 1.3, divine, divine power is granted for everything pertaining to life. Actually, I just want to expand on 2 Peter 1.3, right? Look at this carefully. 2 Peter 1.3, by His divine power, God has given everything everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who, have, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through this, He has given His very great and precious promises so that through them, we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by sin's evil desires. You know, um, Everything in the unseen world is so real, so good, so powerful, so glorious, so rich. But it can be accessed only by faith. Can you see why it is so important that God has to train us and perfect our faith and to build our faith, and to emphasize faith, and reward faith, and urge us to, to push our faith and develop faith, because otherwise all these things are not ours. And, you know, people with faith develop a particular sight, spiritual sight. And when we, when we put on this faith, We see a totally different world. The unseen world. We see God. We see His promises. We see all His resources. Everything. Faith provides us with eyes so that the promises of God becomes real. With the glasses of faith, 
We see circumstances, but we see beyond circumstances, more than the circumstances. Faith is the confidence that God says, right? Uh, this, is, uh, this is faith defined in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real even if we do not see it. Future things, unseen things. These things are in the realm of faith. And faith is the confidence that God is who He says He is and that He will do what He promised. Faith is our response to God. It's a certain attitude to God. Even when things doesn't make sense, things cannot be comprehended, things don't seem like what we feel, but faith goes beyond and say, if God says so, then it is. If it is in the Bible, I believe it. Faith brings us further. All right, what, what, what is biblical faith? Now, favor marries the invisible with the visible. Faith is both tangible and intangible. Faith is based on present realities. Faith is, is also based on future realities. Faith sees the facts, but faith goes beyond the facts. Faith does not seek an explanation for everything because some of the things in the unseen realm cannot be explained, but regardless of, faith goes along. Faith is an attitude. Faith is a response. We are confident that God is who He says He is and that He will do everything He promised to do. You know, Oswald Sander, I like this quote. Oswald Sander says this, that the function of faith is to turn the promises of God into facts. Now, that's faith. That's the key. Faith is not hoping. Faith is having we don't wait for God to create a provision for us. Faith says that the provisions are there. Step into it. It is there. It's available. God says that we have it and by faith we access it. I remember what Roslyn uh, shared with us in the cell group. They said that when he uh, went into Teban Garden and you know, to be involved in the work and then after that into grassroots, grassroots work, uh, he said, actually, uh, he realized that the government has a lot of things, a lot of schemes. So if we, we, they don't have to report, oh, there's a poor family government. Should we look into how we can help them if they are in these circumstances? No, there's a scheme. Just ask them to apply for this. And if there's another situation, ah, no problem, we have vouchers. Ah, oh, taxi, also have. That one, ah, we have this program. <laughs> the, before there was a need, there were all these schemes and provisions. You just have to point the people to say that, just apply and just take it. You know? And this is, this is the realm of God. Of course, God is greater than our government. God's resources and God's provisions are beyond comprehension, right? And so, faith declares I have it. I want to give you an illustration and I'll put it here. Mark eleven twenty four. This is This is how... Uh, uh, Jesus got to emphasize that the provision is there before you have the need. Eh? So I tell you, Mark eleven twenty four, 
whatever you ask for it in prayer, believe that you have received it because it's already there. You just have to reach out and get it, access to it. Let me give you another illustration, okay? Faith declares, I have it. So I tell you that whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. And then in 1 John 5, 4, whoever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world. Faith. You have conquered already. And, and this is how? Faith. You conquer the world by faith. Faith is the key. You have the key, you have it. You are already living in this spiritual reality. It's all yours. It's already real. You are walking on conquered land. You are just going to receive the conquered land. It's there already. So this is faith. Amazing, isn't it? That's why faith is important. So I believe that the key to victorious living is that you have to see what God sees. You've got to take the, the glasses of faith and you put it on. And God is always training us to see, to look beyond the circumstances and the facts and the reality. Look beyond. Look at what the Bible has promised. What did God say about this? Don't be depressed. Don't be despondent. Don't be discouraged. What does the Word of God say? And live it. And so, I'll just give another example. Uh, you know, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, He has won every victory. Grace has, by grace we obtain the victory, but by faith we maintain the victory. And because Satan is already conquered, uh, uh, James tells us that we can, we can speak with confidence. We can tell the devil, I resist you. And he will, he will flee. It is a reality. And uh, we, if we know our position in Christ, appropriate the faith, and we will see as God sees and agree with God as it is stated in the Word, and we will be victorious. Victorious living is possible. Uh, so I want to I want to tell you, okay, what what really is the greatest wonder of the story in Joshua chapter six? The wall collapsing, and I say no because God has done greater things than wall collapsing, right? Do you know that God uh, caused the const, uh, all the stars, uh, all the planets, uh, to stop moving? for almost 24 hours. Don't rotate. Because, because Joshua has not, had not finished uh, uh, the, with the military campaign. So, I mean, if God can hold the universe and say, stop! What is the collapsing of the war, you tell me? The greatest wonder at Jericho is to have 600,000 people. Everybody believing, acting in unity and says, we are in this, we'll go. And I was just thinking, no, is it actually, is it so easy? Eh? Wednesday is prayer walk day, right? And I'll say, don't do it for seven days, no need. Everybody show up on Wednesday and we walk around Teban Garden, one round. It's not easy, you know. It's not easy to believe that 
this is worthwhile. Why are we doing this? It's, does he know what he's talking about? Must we really do this? No, it's not easy. When the Son of Man comes, you know, this is Jesus speaking from his heart, you know, his burdened heart that, you know, you know what I'm really concerned about? When I come again, will the Son of Man find faith? That was his concern. You know? And I, I want to tell you why that's his concern, okay? I, I, I know a lot of you are very, maybe you are very disturbed by my message, you find it very hard to accept because I have no idea what you are going through. You are having a really hard time at work in the family with your health and with I don't know what. And you see that Edwin is like making it so simple. No. I want to ask you, how much weight are you placing on God's credentials? I know that it requires... It requires faith for us to receive. I also know that it requires faith for us not to receive. I know that many times our senses, the logic, the reason, every part of us will tell us that this cannot be the best. This cannot be God's will. And so Romans 12 says this. I want to tell you that that this, this is also part of faith, okay? Faith is also in believing that we, there is such a thing as the good and perfect will. Not almost perfect, not usually perfect. That there is a perfect will that is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God is good by itself. Uh, Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, perfect. And Romans 8, 28 says this. We know, we know by faith here, <laughs> the other side, that all things, all, not most things, work together for the good of those who love Him and who are caught according to His purposes. So if you are walking in the will of God, and you are a God people, you are a believer, and you are a faith person, God says, know that really all things will work out for the good of those who love me. Whatever happens, God is going to see to it that it will work out for good. And in the interim, this is the, this is the troublesome part, in the interim between what uh, you're asking and then the time you will be receiving is a very precarious time. It can be very long. It can be six days long. And like the people of Israel were just walking and nothing happening and they were just wondering whether they had to also walk on Sabbath. Yes, they did have to walk on Sabbath. And our faith will grow frustrated. Our faith will be fragile which, with each unfulfilled day, it will be fragile and we will become more and more vulnerable to the devil's attack. You know, um, very often, what is lacking is, is our patience to wait. Not 
it's our patience to wait for God's timing. And God could have thrown down, demolished the wall in a day. It, it is really not difficult. They didn't have to encompass, walk around the walls of, of Jericho 13 times. But if Joshua and the people had decided that on the fifth day they would stop, can you imagine what would happen? But faith, faith is faith. Faith is a certain attitude, a certain confidence in God that will tell you, let's just, just finish the race. Let's just finish it. And, and then we leave everything to God. I want to, you cannot talk about faith without talking about spiritual warfare and I've got to, I've got to mention this again that if faith is so precious to God, then you know that the devil is against one thing and that is your faith. The, the thief, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But the work of God the promises of God are given to strengthen our faith. Our ministry, the pulpit ministry, the fellowship that we have is organized to build your faith. But Satan's contrary agenda is to destroy your faith. If faith is the most precious thing that we have, then our adversary will be determined also to take that away from us. I'm going to end the sermon very soon, right? I, you know, uh, I believe that the battle of the Christian life has, has always been about faith. So if you see that people have uh, broken lives, broken families, actually you, you, you can trace it. Nah? First of all, they had a broken faith. First. If people have backslided and they're living in sin, you know that before that, faith has already been stolen. Satan's agenda is to sever the faith connection because with faith, we can live supernaturally, we can live abundantly, we can live victoriously. So Satan's agenda is to cut it off so that we will just be focused on the present reality, the problems the reality, the obstacles, and then you get discouraged, disillusioned, and unhappy. I have just a few more slides. You know, there are four things that people who are weary stop doing. These are the people whose faith has been stolen. They lose confidence in, self, in themselves, so they stop seeking God. They lose confidence in God, so they stop praying to God. They lose confidence in the church, so they stop serving. They lose confidence in people in general, and they stop fellowshipping. This is what the devil wants to do. Can you think of some people who may be in this category, or people who might have lost their faith, whose faith has grown cold, stagnant? You know, I want you to, uh, in your own time, read Hebrews chapter 11. It's a very good chapter to read. You will see there, I told you, like 19 persons specifically mentioned, but there are groups of people too. You will see that there is no scoreboard. 
There is no win-loss record. There is no mention of their accomplishment, always. Of course, sometimes there is a mention of their accomplishment, but sometimes they will just say that, uh, well, so-and-so walked with God. What, what did Enoch accomplish? But there is one thing that runs through and is common, they please God. It, they were not judged by the size of their acts, but by the desires of their heart. Everybody made it to that list because they pleased God. As I said, right, after Noah, Abel and Noah, there were 70 more people in Hebrews chapter 11, a catalogue of named and unnamed peoples. Faith does not have to win every time. Faith does not have to accomplish great things. Not everybody can win wars. Sometimes no wars will win. Uh, they were, uh, in some of these cases, they were not builders, they were not leaders, they had no special positions, but the common denominator is faith. So what is biblical faith? Let me just summarize this, that it is an attitude, an attitude towards God. God-pleasing faith is seen, but it's very hard to define. Faith is seen in our choices, our response, our priorities, where, when God takes center stage. Faith has a heart that is God-oriented. Faith is having a mind that is God-focused. I know I've said a lot. I'm going to end with some stories to, to just show you how... I'm going to leave this slide. It's the last slide. I'm going to show you how this is being fleshed out. What... How we access the invisible, the unseen with faith. You know, uh, I went to uh, Bukit Panjang Gospel Chapel. I only have two stories, and we're going to end. Bukit Panjang Gospel Chapel had a, a dedication service because they just uh, completed building their church and they moved in all right, in September last year. But in January 14, I attended. I was very interested in this church because I, I preached there many, many times. And uh, they have this uh, church in 12 Galastan Avenue. It's actually uh, somebody, it was somebody's house. It was given to them by a church member in 1958. Uh, Madam Nancy Wee gave her house to the church because before that they were meeting in, in different people's homes and then it, it, it was just no longer uh, possible. So Madam Nancy Wee gave the house and uh, that was in 1958. In 1963, they received a notice from the government uh, that services must be suspended. They were no longer able to meet there because uh, a house cannot be a church. It's a violation of zoning regulations. Wow. So they didn't worship for a few months. But finally, they lodged an appeal. And uh, thank God, the appeal was acceded to. The government said that we will give you a temporary, uh, uh, just a temporary permit all right, just temporary, you can worship there. So they worship there quietly for many, many years. And 30 years later, uh, they, got, they, 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 they got this temporary license, 1963, right? In 1993, they said that, wow, we exercise faith. We just apply for change of use. Turned out immediately. And so that, ah, running, running. Really, you know. But at that time, Dala Balam was a cabinet minister. And I spoke to Dalla Balan, by the way. As Dalla Balan said, well, you know, I was there. There are very clear guidelines. Very, there's a reason for these guidelines. Very difficult. So Dalla Balan told me this. 
Very. He didn't say impossible because he's a man of God. Man. Very difficult. <laughs> and so, uh, so, okay, this will, they had to bid for land. So they did. They bid for a land in June 2010 by faith. God, you will give us a land. And they put in a bid for $3 million for a land in Gangsa, HDB land. But the winning bid went to the Korean Church of Singapore who secured the land with the winning bid of $11.28 million. They were so far behind. They said, that cannot beat them. They are expatriate, right? Renming. Renming. So they just quietly, on the temporary permit, lie low and worship. And then, you know when there are a lot of roadblocks, what do you do? You just accept it, like you do nothing. It's called status quo. Law. And in 2012, something happened. No? There was a uh, uh, Pastor Kelvin, I, I spoke to Pastor Kelvin, uh, my friend, and he said that there was a stirring in the hearts of the leaders and the people that there was a discontentment, a dissatisfaction with the status quo. So uh, they, re- they recognized there was spiritual stagnation and apathy. So they came together, they met regularly to seek the Lord. And the Lord started to stir something in them to have a spiritual restructuring. Let's do church differently. Let's do discipleship. And when it was sold to the church, everybody was very excited and, and the program was ongoing. People were now disciples, discipling, right? And at about the same time, the leaders or some of the leaders discerned that, hey, we are then going to grow. If we are going to grow, this little bungalow uh, cannot take this. I think this is a God thing. We better now apply for the change of use. And then, of course, uh, really, uh, but okay, let's put in. You see how they, they see things not on the present reality, but by faith, they put on the glasses and say that there is God. And then they, they put in the application. Immediately, it was turned down. Immediately. Reply very... In two weeks, they got the reply, no. Then they said, cannot. You see, eyes of faith, there is a God. And said, we will appeal. In the past, they didn't think about appealing. So, in 2012... Uh, oh, sorry, this is 2014 already. Yeah? In 2014, they appealed, and there was silence. Then, Ministry of National Development called them for an interview. Then SLA was involved. Then URA was involved. And then they were, they said the process is very long, a lot of correspondence back and forth, this requirement, and they want to check this and a lot of questions and all that. They immediately informed the members, something is happening. This is a God thing. Let's raise funds now. And so, they were talking about how to raise funds and they do their mathematics and all that, that we can get a bank loan, that we will, how much it will be, we will get interest-free loan. And then they prayed about it and they came back unanimous. We cannot take interest-free loan. How can we get people to loan back to God? Everything belongs to God. We've got to get them to give to God and return to God. So yes, so they appeal, no loan. You give, you give. This is the, we believe that there's a God thing happening. And then it really happened. After all these meetings, there was a rezoning from residential zone to church use zone. The impossible happened. 
you know, how can good government policies that existed for so many decades suddenly, well, I think we can change that. Come on. It has to be God, man. God manipulated. And so, recognizing that there were the fingerprints of God everywhere and the, the, that God is orchestrating this, they say that, let's now give to the church. They need to raise 7 million. You know. They work out the mathematics. Huh? Actually, it's impossible. Huh? Because you know why they say, my church got a lot of retirees, a lot of old people. And if, even if they are rich retiree, they need it for their retirement. And there are a lot of young people, people who are not very rich. So to raise 7 million without a loan is very, very difficult. They did. They started, they, got the, they moved out of the church to temporary premises in, on 1st April. Right? So March they moved out. The following March, they made the announcement, we don't need more money for the building fund. Everything else you give to the building fund, we are going to channel to the, to the common fund. One year, seven million. You tell me, who manipulated? Who are the provisions there already? Do they have to pray for provision? Or are the provisions there? And by key, they just take what is there. God's provisions are already here and God just had to unlock every heart and convince everybody, this is a God thing, you participate or not participate, you want or not. And everybody said, one. And seven million came in. I tell you, God is so interested in faith. You know? Movement of faith, obedience, just believing. Then you will live in a totally different realm, the supernatural realm. Faith is the key. I'll give you another story. Bonus, right? So that <laughs> five more minutes. All right. This is, uh, you know, uh, there was a, uh, this, this is a story by uh, Jim Zimbala. I like this story. Uh, it was an afternoon service. They had multiple services, but it was an afternoon service when uh, uh, well, they had a few worship songs and then the choir was sing. So, uh, the, but that particular week, the soloist sang first. So the soloist sang, and then Pastor Zimbala got a stirring in the heart. And he felt, he felt the, a whisper, you know, I mean, a sense. La. The Holy Spirit told him, go and preach the gospel right now. Go, them and, go and tell them of God's love. He struggled with the thought. So actually, your faith doesn't mean that they don't have struggles. La. He struggled with the thoughts. It's not the right time to preach. This is too early. We have not taken the offering yet. The worship is not over. Should I do it? Should I disrupt the service? Can I change this? But he was not free from this internal conflict, you know. So he knew that it was a sense of, it was from the Spirit. And if he doesn't obey, he's going to grieve the Holy Spirit. So with the impression, he just went up and took the mic from the soloist just as he was ending. And so everybody was just looking at the pastor. <laughs> so what's happening? So as he was ending, just took, say that, um, Calvin Han, uh, the soloist, share with them your testimony of how God, how God has freed you from drugs. So the soloist, oh, okay. And he said that the soloist shared his testimony without hitch, so smooth. He took the mic back. He preached a message, a gospel message, 10 minutes, then the invitation. Oh, people responded and they came and they prayed. Then when that was over, okay, we haven't taken the offering, let's take the offering. And then the service continued, right, as per normal. 
Now, one week later, there was a call from a man from Texas asking for a score of a particular song that was sang at that meeting. He loved the score, though, to say that, you know, but we, we don't have score, you know. We, we, we just play by ear. We just play like that. But if you really like the song, I can t- tell my mom, Zimbala's wife, I can tell my mom to put it in the next album. What, what, what? Sorry? Your mom? You mean you are the daughter of, of Zimbala? Say, yes. Can you please tell your father this? He needs to hear this. Me, I had to go to New York. It was a Texans. Huh? I had to go to New York that weekend, and I really, I really wanted my son to attend uh, uh, the, the tabernacle, right? The, this church. Uh, and so we went as a family, and I promised my son that we can we will go for all the sites and enjoy ourselves on Saturday. But actually, uh, in his heart, he really wanted the son to attend church. So, so they had a wonderful time on Saturday. And then on, uh, on Sunday, they took a cab to church. And in the, in, in the cab, uh, he just took up the tickets just to check. And he realized that he made a, a terrible mistake. The flight was much earlier than he expected. They could not sit through the service. And by midway in the service, probably after the worship, they had to leave. And so he said, ah, but by faith, la, okay, la, whatever it is, go for the service, just worship God. It's, it was not meant to be, maybe, right? And then, at the altar call, you're right, God had to change the order of service, disrupt the whole service for one 19-year-old. And this 19-year-old, according to this man who, who spoke to Zimbala's daughter on the phone, my son has gone very, very far from God. And I don't know what to do. I just want so much for him to attend a service when I'm in New York with me. That was all he said. And, and by faith, I suppose, that prayer went up to God and God changed the order of service for one 19-year-old. And at the altar call, among those who responded was this 19-year-old. He cried, he sobbed, he repented. And throughout that week, the parents said, that you cannot imagine the transformation that happened in just that one week. So who, who had access to all these plans and resources and riches and everything in the spiritual realm? We have, how? Faith. And the devil wants to cut that lifeline. If possible, to steal it, then to kill it, because when he kills it, he can destroy. He can destroy your marriage, your family, your career, your passion, your everything. It can be destroyed. But first, he has to steal it. And he wants to do it now. But thanks be to God, faith is doing what is right regardless of the consequence, right? And I want you to look at this verse. He is the perfecter of our faith. He is involved in the development of our faith. And he who has already started this work will carry it to its fulfillment. You can trust God to do a good job, but please, it all depends on the attitude. If you are like the people who are under the leadership of Joshua, just go along even if you don't understand. Just take it and accept it by faith. You see what God can do for you. Okay, I know. Actually, I want to end this up, but I can't. You will, I will get papers thrown at me. Let's just close in prayer.
all right, and ask God to help us to internalize this great truth. But in the second service, we'll, we'll close with the song. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us great and precious promises given to us so that we can participate in divine nature. Wow, I mean, we, we are living in this reality, but we are also living in the future reality. What a wonderful promise. This is us. And we want it, God. We want it by faith. And, and God, I know that you are committed to your work in our lives to build faith, strong faith, extraordinary faith. We want it, God. Work. God, we submit to you. Do a wonderful work in our lives. And I pray, Father, for those who are already being snatched by the devil and whose lives are already being, uh, in havoc because Satan has cut off, severed the link. I pray that you will restore them. Maybe we have a part in restoring them, but I pray, Father, they will be restored so that, God, none will be lost. And when you come back on earth, you will find faith in this community of people. Thank you for your word. We receive everything that is spoken today by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.